Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. Well, thank you for taking the time to invest and join us uh, this morning in the loft, uh, and especially as we those who are joining us online as well, man. Uh, we can't see you, but it's, it's one of those I spies. You have spied us out this morning, and so you're connecting with us. Uh, and I, I almost assume if you're online, you're probably following this, this lady named April who's about to give birth to this giraffe. I mean, it's those moments where everybody in the world is checking out April. If you don't know, you're, you're not in it. But I'm telling you, this giraffe is coming. Uh, and it's kind of crazy that thousands and thousands of people would be watching this little baby giraffe be born. Uh, and I would talk about a small waste of time. There's 24,000 people currently watching that. I just checked it out. It's kind of nuts. Uh, but, you know, she's been eating. She's been sleeping. She's been pooping. I mean, that's all she's doing. And for the past two weeks, that's all she's been doing. But hey, like I said, welcome to the loft. You know, you guys took a break from that to come check it out. And aren't you blessed already? I mean, aren't you blessed to be here in the house of the Lord? And so we're diving into part four of this series called I Choose. And if you're new here with us this morning, uh, you've missed out on some of our previous talks. I, I do encourage you to go check it out online. Uh, Jason Gibson last week did an amazing job, and you really owe it to yourself just to go back and catch all of them uh, so he can bring you up to full speed uh, listening to our, our podcast and what happens on our, our, on our, on our website there. It's, it's, it's just going to be helpful for you to understand in context where we're at today. Uh, it's, it's literally a worthy investment of your time. And so, but just to take a small snapshot of where we've been before we dive into today, uh, we've been looking at choices, choices that intentionally and prayerfully going to make my life better. Uh, And why are we doing this? Because when you think about it, what we are now, uh, essentially, we are the sum of total choices that we have made in life. Uh, We are the sum of total choices that we've made in life. And so my question is, is, what are you today? Where are you at today? You are the sum, uh, the sum of your total choices that you've made thus far in your life yesterday, uh, last week, last year, and so on. Uh, It's crazy to begin to think about it, but you know, how many trips have you made around the sun, right? And you've you've made some choices during that time frame, and literally, literally, uh, you are the sum of the total choices that you've made. You can't blame anybody except yourself because of some of our choices that we've made. Think about it. Uh, if, if the choices you're making will determine who we become tomorrow and directly, it affects what we're going to do with, with our future. Uh, and that's why this series, I Choose, is so valuable. It's so valuable with your walk to, with Christ because we want you to choose a relationship with Jesus at the center of every decision we make. So literally, when you do that, you can begin to live a life worthy, a life that's redeemed, a life that's full of life. That sounds crazy to say, but a life full of life that can set you free. And it takes you into eternal life. That's the beauty of it. And so today... Uh, we're in part four uh, of a five-part series, and, and I hope you choose, uh, you know, to be with us next week as we finish out the series. Uh, just to give you a little sneak peek, uh, I believe that almost everybody can be impacted next week 
uh, if you choose to be here and if you choose to invite somebody. And they can catch up really quick next week. And I assume everyone here is someone like me. Um, you, you may have many urgent things, urgent things that's grabbing and pulling at your attention. You got to do this. You, you got to go do that. You got to go there, right? Um, uh, well, next week, we're going to talk about a very important message for everyone who is like that, that got us. You know, the gotta, 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 gotta go. We're going to choose important over the urgent. We're going to choose important over the urgent. And so we choose the important over the urgent. So I hope you choose to join us next week as we finish out the series. And then the following week, this is crazy. Now, we heard a couple of people mention it already today. But is, is, I hope you choose to be with us because we're going public with some people's faith. And that's just going to be an amazing day. And so hopefully you'll choose to be with us there because uh, we love to see life change. And we love to see change lives that change lives. And so mark your calendars. Be with us as we just take some steps into the future. Uh, but today, today... We're going to talk about discipline over regret. Discipline over regret. And, and just by a show of hands, and you got to participate, all right? This is kind of awkward if you don't. Uh, how, many, how many of you ever made a decision that you have ever regretted today? Go ahead, raise your hands. All right, a lot of everybody. There's some people that are not raising their hands, so that means you have the little halo above you or something. I don't know. Uh, maybe you know how to walk on water, inform the rest of us. Uh, but, you know, I started thinking about some of those things that you regret, you know, and, and there's, there's a Snickers commercial, I guess, right now, regrets. I don't know if you've you've ever seen that, but, you know, maybe it's that tattoo that you just sort of regret now, right? Uh, You got her name on it, and you ain't even with her. You know, you explain that one to your wife. yeah, somebody like, yeah, I did that. You know, and it's, maybe it's that relationship, right? Maybe it's a relationship that you regret, you got involved with. Uh, maybe you spent way too much money last week. Uh, maybe the, the wife got the credit card or the husband is a tech guy and he got the credit card, he went to Best Buy. You know, you don't know. Uh, we just sort of do those things. Maybe you clicked on that link. You got caught. Yeah, that got real serious real quick, didn't it? Yeah, you got caught. Your wife caught you because she went into the history box. Or maybe as a, as a child, you, you just out of curiosity, you clicked and your parents found out. Maybe you took that extra drink at the bar and you know you shouldn't have, but you did anyways. And it led to another, led to another one. Now you got a DUI. Yeah, that regret. Maybe you, maybe you tried that drug just because everybody else was doing it. And it just pulled you into this dark place. Right? Regrets. Let's be honest. What about this question? This one's a little bit more tricky, and it's a little bit more challenging for us this morning, but what if you were to be more disciplined in your relationship with Christ, could you have avoided that regret? Now raise your hand. And I'm just being honest, but everybody should be raising their hand. I'm just being honest. If you're more disciplined in your relationship with Jesus, it's going gonna, it's gonna to prevent some regrets. Later on in life, I think everybody should be raising their hands on that one because it's going to set you free, bottom line. You're going to experience life in a whole new way. And so as we dive in this morning, my my preaching professor in seminary, Dr. Bill Turner, uh, amazing dude, uh, and he lives around here locally, but he's, you know, from Houston, Texas, and and he's amazing. He's got the James Earl Jones voice, you know, the very well, wonderful voice. It's a preaching voice. It's, you just captivate. You just just lean in when he talks. I mean, he could be talking about, you know, uh, fluffy stuff, and you're just like, wow, you know, it's just amazing voice. 
But in the process, he, he always said this. He said, um, you know, uh, he, he gave me, well, let's just back up. He, he gave me an, a laughing F uh, one day, and that was a grade, by the way, uh, because um, he told me never to stand behind a pulpit because it looks like you're going to come over and attack somebody because I'm too tall for the pulpit, you know? He said, you preach angry, Jason. You preach angry. And I'm like, I'm not angry. I'm loving, he said, but you're six foot eight, and so most pulpits are only like five foot, so you look like a giant, so just don't preach behind a pulpit. Thus is why I sit most of the time. Uh, you know, I feel like this is more my comfort zone, but number two, you can't tell how big I am right now, so I'm not going to preach at you. I'm not going to come across and jump at you because um, it just looks awkward, uh, but I don't blame that on me. I blame it on short pastors. I mean, just come on. It just, it is what it is. I, you know, everybody else is just shorter. Um, but one of the things he always emphasized for me, um, and for everybody in the class, he said, never, t- never start a sermon off with a gloom or doom type of comment, you know? Um, never start something negative out of the gate because people just don't respond well. It just gets really awkward really quickly for everyone, and you might lose a lot of people at the very start. But keep in mind, I only got a C in the class, and so I only listened half of the time. And so this must be the, ch- the moment that I choose to go the different direction. Uh, and so I'm going to choose to preach a little differently today. And, and so here it comes. You're going to experience a lot of pain in this life. Welcome to Center Point. <laughs> trying to catch up, you know, trying to switch the gear. You're going to experience a lot of pain in this life. And, you know, it's, it's crazy to think about. Why? You know, why? I'm following Jesus, but it says clearly in Scripture, it says clearly in Scripture, it says you're going to experience a lot of pain in this life. All of us will. The reality is, is this pain that we're experiencing maybe will be outside of our ability of control. Jesus said this in John 16, verse 33. He said, in this world, what? You will have trouble. A lot of times, it's, it's not your fault. You got into that weird accident. Somebody that you love betrays you and hurts you. Your job or your place of employment downsizes, and now you're looking for a job. Or maybe your, your wife comes home with this little cute little puppy and, and now you have a full-grown uh, elephant. <laughs> and he's ate half of your furniture and your dog, and you, he's dug up your backyard now and you're ready to get rid of the dog. But the pain of, of doing this will cause great pain in your marriage and in with your kids, um, especially if you got two of them. Those who know what I'm talking about. I'm ready to get rid of some dogs. But no, seriously, we, we love them. But there's a lot of pain and a lot of, a lot of things that are happening in your life beyond your control, right? Right? However, some pain, though, here's the catch. Some pain is within your control. In other words, you will have the choice between what type of pain or another. You can choose your pain. Think about it this way. You can choose the pain of obeying your parents today. Come on, parents. Say amen. All right. Um, you can choose to obeying your parents today or face the pain of consequences tomorrow when you said, nah, I can do this. I can do whatever. Right? You can choose the pain of living within the means today financially or choose the pain of battling that mountain of debt tomorrow. Right? 
Some of you know what I'm talking about. You can choose the pain of studying students for that exam today or experience the pain of retaking the class next semester. <laughs> right? You can choose the pain of hanging around people who are a negative influence in your life now or eventually find yourself in a place that might be a darker place far from God later. Anybody been there? You see, you can eat, and I love this one, you can eat or do whatever you want to your body now, or as a 75, 85, 95-year-old person, you can suffer the pain of what happens to your body in the years to come if you choose to neglect your body. Seriously, you can choose your pain. You can. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Um, we're going to choose discipline over regret. That's what today's all about. We're going to have all types of different pain, but we're going to choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. So today, let's just say this with me. I choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. Say it with me. I choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. So if we're going to choose discipline, I believe it would be a better place if we all knew what discipline really means. Now, you can go get the technical version of it online in Webster Dictionary, but I found this one, you know, and I believe in this one. So what is discipline? Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want the most. It's what you want now and what you want the most outcome in the future. And so if we dive into scripture, we'll see the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7 uh, help us today and understand where we are going with this. And what he says in verse 15, if you got your Bible or not, get your U version out on your phone. And if you don't need a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. Hopefully it'll be on the screen behind me. But in Romans 7, 15, it should make us feel a little bit better about who we are today. Why? Because the Apostle Paul was not always a Christian. His name was Saul, and he got converted by Jesus. And as a matter of fact, he was radically changed by Jesus. Uh, and from that moment on, he began to live a life fully devoted to Jesus. And he created change everywhere he went. He planted churches all over the Mediterranean area, and he wrote half of the New Testament. You talk about a change maker, right? If there's anybody who should have been able to get this right, it's the Apostle Paul, right? I mean, he, come on, he, 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 he authored a lot of the Bible. He planted churches everywhere. But in Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about how difficult it was to do the right thing. I mean, this is crazy. This is a guy that I uphold way up here, and he's coming way down here and goes, this is hard. This lifestyle is hard. And I'll be honest, his struggle to get this right makes me feel so much better about myself. I'm just being completely transparent. It means I'm not, I'm not alone. You with me? I'm not alone. I know this may be hard, but as often as I mess up, and I mess up big, y'all. I can use that word. I'm in the country, so I, I mess up big. And if you don't, ask, don't believe me, just, just ask my wife. She'll tell you the truth. My marriage group that I'm involved with, the people in my circle group, they, they know what I struggle with. They, they know the intimacy of where Jason is as an individual. They know how hard it is for me sometimes to love my kids because I'm, I don't know how to say no. It's, it's a struggle sometimes, maybe even to love my wife because I'm not where I need to be spiritually. 
And not just as home, but, you know, in my spiritual journey as well, I mess up all the time. I don't walk across the room, even though I know the Spirit's prompting me to go walk across the room and have a spiritual conversation. You see, I choose to do it my way, even though I know his way is better. Now, you could say, what, what kind of pastor are you? Don't judge me. I'm just being honest. There's a big difference here. It's not because I just got a microphone. It's literally because I know that I mess up and I know I want you to understand that there's a guy here in the Bible that messed up as well and he doesn't know what to do with it. Sometimes I don't know what to do with it. And if there's anybody that's figured this out, I'm going to lean into what Paul says because he met Jesus face to face, freed him up, he redeemed him, set him free. And then Paul goes on to struggle, but planted churches everywhere and literally wrote half the Bible. So if I can look up to somebody, it's going to be the Apostle Paul. And so this is what he says in Romans 7, 15. Paul says it this way. He almost sounds kind of crazy like I do right now. But he says this. I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. You been there? Anybody? Come on. Anybody been there? You hate something you're doing right now? Have you ever been there before? Ever done that? That you do what you hate? You just know it's just wrong, but you click anyway. You, you know you shouldn't eat that piece of cake, but it is just finger-licking good. It ain't just chicken. It's cake, y'all. Cracker Barrel ain't got nothing on certain types of cake. I'm just, Sweets by Cindy has got my name. It's like, it's like a tractor being... I just, I, 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 my kids go to Junction City, and I don't know why I turn left when I know I'm supposed to turn right. It just... Her no-bake cookies are second to none. Just saying, go visit. You'll see what I'm talking about. Don't sin. Just eat one. Walk away. You can do this. Control. Walk away. Just grab one. Tell her I sent you. Say, my pastor sent me in here to get an no-bake cookie. One. Totally sidetracked. I just, I'm just lost. Um, but you didn't want to eat the whole thing, but you ate the whole thing. And all I want to do is the right thing because, I, because that cake is in the house. And it's so good, right? And it's not just any cake. It's wedding cake. That's the worst type, you know, the leftover kind. You know what I'm talking about. You take it home, and it's just everywhere in your house. And you're just like, you can't, you can't waste wedding cake. You can't throw that stuff out. That's not dog scraps. That is my scraps. Um, and, but for me, and I'm in a season right now, and I got a weak link. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Please don't buy me these things because I, I will eat them all. Uh, but I brought some because people are already giving them to me because they know I like them. But it's these little individual things right here that I don't know. It's like crack for me. Um, it, it, these, are, these are Reese's Easter Cups for the front row. There you go. You know, thanks for coming. Appreciate you. You know, hey, Jesse. There you go. You know, those things are amazing. See, front row people, they get prizes. Just saying. Welcome to Centerpoint. Um, you just don't get the Holy Spirit, you get these Easter eggs. And so these things are amazing. I mean, I don't understand. These are way better than Larisi cups. You know what I'm talking about if you know what I'm talking about. You try one, you're like, whoa, what is this? This is not just sugar. This is like heaven, you know? And I can clear a whole bag in minutes. You know, I have to refrain myself. I, sometimes I tell Sarah to hide them in the house, you know. Uh, it's, this is worse than Christmas and Thanksgiving put together for me. These are, these are sin at the capital S in my house. And I know it's not good for me because I'm working on my figure. Um, but when this season comes around, I look like an Easter egg. I'm okay with that because I know summer's coming, you know. Uh, but I can't help myself because and, I go to Walmart and they're everywhere. 
Like, what is the matter with Walmart? They know my sin. It's a dangerous place for me to be in right now, so I don't choose to go to Walmart. Like, Sarah, you can go. I don't care what the credit card looks like when we get done. I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with that one more than I, you know. And so, in verse 19, you with me now? Focus. I do, I want to do what's good, but I don't. You know, I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Have you been there? Have you felt this way like my Easter eggs? I haven't. And it goes on to say, oh, what a miserable person I am. And then you get into that dark area of your life. You're like, oh, I'm just, just such a screw up. I'm so miserable. I'm so miserable. You ever been around a miserable person? They're just miserable. You know it. You know what I'm talking about. And who will free me? Paul's like, who will free me now? Who will free me from this dominated, you know, this is dominating me by me. Me and my choices are just dominated by just stupid things. He sounds like there's just no hope, right? Now, this is the guy who met Jesus, wrote half the Bible, changed the environment in the Mediterranean, right? You with me? And he's like, there's just nothing. I, there's no hope here. You read this, you're like, why should I even be listening to the Bible? And he says, I can't do it. I want to do what's right, and I do what's wrong. I want to do what's, what's, what's wrong, and I do, I do it anyway. You know, I just I find myself in this weird place in life. And he's just being completely transparent. In verse 24, he says this. Oh, what a miserable person I am. He just keeps on going. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Now, now Paul finishes his strong. He finishes his strong with, with, with this, this conversation. You can just see the struggle. And he says, who will free me up from this life? Who will free me up from this life that is dominated by my sin and death? And then he just gets to the point of this whole sermon. Thank God. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, his tone, it changes from the start. And as he finishes, he says, thank God. I'm a crazy man, and I can't get it right on my own, but I don't have to get it right on my own. He says, because he knows the answer is where? The answer is in Jesus Christ. The answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what is Paul saying? I want to do the right thing, but I can't do it. I'm often ashamed that I didn't get it right the first place, so I feel down on myself. I feel so embarrassed. I keep failing every single time I get put into that position in my life. You would think that by now I could get this one right. I could just say no. I'm a grown adult, but I don't get it right. Who can ever help me, he says. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, my Lord. Some of you just need to stop right there in your life and evaluate it. Thank God there's an answer, and his name is Jesus. Lean into him today. I promise you, it will be the starting point for you to take a step. It will be your first next step in your life. It can change everything. And so Jesus Christ is going to help us choose discipline over regret. I love how he keeps on going. The Apostle Paul goes on to share in this verse in 1 Corinthians. He, he's writing now in this, this chapter. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24, he uses some imagery here and more like a metaphor uh, of a race, right? A race. And I love the way he says it in verse 24. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize, right? And if you find yourself in a race, 
with a guy named Usain Bolt. You better not get in the race with him, all right? If you don't know who that is, fastest person in the world, he runs 27 miles per hour, and you just might as well just check out because you ain't coming. You're, you're, you're second place, all right? But Paul says, so run to win. Get in the race to win. When you're running, we're not running for second place. When you're running, you're running with every bit of focus, intensity, power that's within you only from Christ to win. And this is the crazy thing. Sometimes we're, we don't want to jump in the race, right, at all, because we know we're going to lose, right? And it's, it's not your fault that you're losing, Paul goes on to say this in 25. He says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. All athletes are disciplined in their training. If you're going to win, what do you have to do? You gotta be disciplined. You must choose, you must choose what you want most over what you want now, right? What I want most is to be in tip-top shape. What I want now is, is to sleep in and eat Easter eggs all I can. That's me, right? You have to choose what you want most over what you want now if you want to change tomorrow. I'll say that again. You have to choose what you want most over what you want now if you want to change tomorrow. We're going to have to be disciplined in our training in this race called life because we want to win the prize. We want to win the prize. And the prize that he's talking about, it doesn't fade away. It's not some little trophy. In fact, I like the way this root word discipline here in verse 25, it's really, it's, it's, it's the same root that creates this word called disciples. It actually creates this word called disciples for us. And so what are we? If you're in Christ Jesus, we are disciples of Jesus, we are ambassadors. We're following in his footsteps. We are following Christ. That is our first thing. We are disciplined as disciple makers. He goes on to say all athletes, all athletes are to, to be dis disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Big difference. Disciple maker. You see, athletes do this to win a prize that will fade away. In other words, they're doing it, you know, like basketball teams, they win this grade school and stuff like that. Maybe growing up, you get this little cheap plastic trophy. I don't know if you remember that, but, you know, you get this little cheap plastic trophy. Usually a guy doing this number, you know, and it's just really weird. It sits there, collects dust, maybe throw it away. Your baseball team gets a little blue ribbon for placing first place, you know. Everybody gets one. Everybody wins, right? Um, I don't believe in that one, but anyways, if you're the best of the best, you know, especially in marathons, if you pay to run these little races, little 5K things, uh, you get this little fake gold medal, right? And then you pay $30 for it, by the way, just make, there's no, makes no sense. It's going to fade away. You won the race, but you get this little medal. I don't know what you do with them, but they fade away. See, Paul says everything that you race for here earthly wise, it fades away. But when you're a part of this thing, uh, being a disciple maker, and you're disciplined in what this journey looks like, 
Paul says, you know, Jesus follows what they do for this moment. It's an internal prize. It's a prize that's not of this world. That's why we run to win. That's why we run this race. We're not doing it for some little trophy that passes away. We're doing it for the honor and the glory of the one who gave us life in the first place. That's why we do what we do here at Centerpoint. Everything we do, we work as it is working for the Lord, not as human masters. When we do this, everything changes. That's why we run to win with everything that we do in us. Paul finishes off this verse by saying this with purpose. And I like how he goes here because like we've learned in week one, purpose changes everything. And Paul says it this way in verse 26. He says, so I, I run with purpose in every step, in every step. And I'm not just shadow boxing. And I, I discipline my body like an athlete training to do what it should do. Otherwise, I fear after preaching to others, I might find myself disqualified. That's some big thing. This is huge, though. Purpose with every step of the way, not just shadow boxing, right? We're not just following the leader doing it to pretend like we're an athlete or a workout. We are running a race full of purpose. We are fast. We are furious. We are laser focused on the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus. We are going to train hard. And, and when we can run this race called life, we'll do the best we can with what God has presented us. Otherwise, we could be disqualified in the end. It's huge wording there. This is a huge piece of spiritual truth and wisdom in our own personal journeys. Think about our finances, how we raise our kids, how you make disciples, how you serve, how you, you fill in the blank. You already know what I'm talking about. I just hadn't hit on it yet. What is it? What is a part of your life that you're not running the race like he wants you to? You sort of set that one off the side. You're not being very disciplined right now with it. Matter of fact, you might even have a regret. It has no purpose. It's just sort of sitting idle. It's a part of the race, but you're not choosing to jump in because you feel like Usain Bolt standing beside you and you've already turned your back. You've already been defeated. For some of you, you're thinking, it's everything. Jason, you don't know my life. It's everything. You don't know how I was raised. Keep in mind, an athlete takes one step at a time. They begin with changing what they care about to go further faster, to become a better athlete, to win the race. They just don't show up one day and go, I'm going to run a marathon. Here we go. Little stretches. Here we go. You ain't going to make it past mile marker three. I'm just being honest with you. Just, just being honest. They start training months in advance and they get finally to the starting point and they run that race. And if they're really serious about it and they want to go after first place, man, this is day and night. They train all the time, which leads them to big, huge things in life because they're going to get to that platform and they've won when they cross that finish line. When Paul was talking to his audience in Corinthians, this run the race type of talk, they would have been thinking of a race known as the Isthmian race or the Isthmian Games. This race was very popular in the day. It had tremendous patriotic pride. It's, it's not too different than the Olympics, to be quite honest with you. Uh, and what these athletes would do is, is that they would go into a 10-month strict training purpose. No junk food, no Easter eggs, no nothing. No alcohol, no celebrating, laser-focused, water only. They would expose themselves to extreme temperatures, 
and to extreme cold and heat to shock their bodies, to train their bodies to do one thing, to win. To win. Now let's flip forward a little bit. The, the author of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, he's starting to use the same language and the imagery. And in 12.1, he says, you run the race that's marked out for you. And I love what the author said. He, he, he goes on to say, he said, let's, let's strip off everything. Let's strip off everything that's hindering us and the sin that is so entangles us, right? He's saying this in context of a race. This is important because of his audience again. You've got to go back to context. And what would they have known exactly where he's talking about as well because of these games, he says, let's strip off anything that hinders us from running, running this race, running to win. We want to win. So let us let's take off everything, that, any sin that entangles us. Keep in mind, this is a different culture than us right now. And he's describing something that makes sense to them, but sort of for us, we just see it differently. But when he said, let's strip off for this race, everyone would have known that's what the athletes did the ones that were in the race to win. They literally, this is kind of a different for our culture, I know, but maybe not so much because of the way they wear their, their outfits today. But, you know, think about it this way. This is what they did. They literally would get to the starting point with their clothes on, and all of a sudden they would start unrobing completely until they're down to their skinnies. They're, they're doing this so nothing slows them down. They ran naked, y'all. They ran naked. A bunch of grown men completely running naked. Um, I don't know what type of imagery that puts in your brain right now, but it gives a whole new purpose to winning first and racing to win, you know, coming in first place. I want to win. I am laser focused and I'm going to win this race looking straight forward the whole time. I am not going to get left looking side to side. I am going to win this race, period. Racing has a whole new meaning now for me. And I'm sorry if that just sidetracks you, but this is what, this is what happened. This is, what, this, is, this is the context that he's really explaining. I'm sorry I had to go there, but it's kind of obvious when he's talking to this, running this race. It puts it into perspective of why he's using this language. We're running to win, not to come in second. We're running to win, not to come in second. And we're running to win something that's not on this world. It's not even on the earth. It's a heavenly prize. We're running to win a prize that will never spoil, perish, or fade. We're running to glorify the Father in heaven, to meet him at the finish line. And that's why as a pastor, I get so passionate about these things and take the word pastor off my name. And I'm still going to be just as passionate about this race called life. But let me get in, encourage you here. Let me give you a pep talk, right? Some of the best pep talks in the world come from coaches, so view me as a coach right now. When you come into church and come into the loft, what do you do? Do you just come straight to your seat? I mean, you should come in here with a prayerful expectation knowing someone is going to meet Jesus today. You should come in with that attitude, thinking that we're going to win today. The devil has no game up here because we're on the offense. We are laser focused. I'm not standing left over there because you look weird, devil. You know, I am focused. I am completely humbled and focused. I am stripping off everything because I am going to run this race this morning. There's no second place here. And if I'm going to be in your shoes to be training, I want to get here early. 
I want to stretch out a little bit. I want to pray over some chairs. I want to get up front. Easter eggs. I want to get up front. If I'm going to a big game or a concert, I want good seats. Why do I sit on the back row? Not pointing you guys out. But why do you do it? Is it because of conveniency? Or is it just because that's who you are? You grew up that way. See, I want to be close to the action. I want to be up front in the spit zone, in the sweat zone, the splash zone. I want to be there early. I want to be in prayerful consideration of what God's doing. I want, to, I want to just come expecting to hear from God today to transform my life and others because I know he is going to be here. God, I'm coming to bring you a sacrifice and praise you during worship, and I'm going to go vertical for the first time, and I don't care what the people in the back say because they can't see over me. They should have got here early. But yet, some people just sit here like this. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. Go for it. Watch what happens. It changes everything when you run your race, not the person sitting beside you. That's why he said, don't look. See, God, I'm believing you're going to do something to impact my life today. I'm looking around for that one person, even if they're across the room, because no one runs alone here at Centerpoint. Every time I'm running to win, I want others to win with me. And then he's going to speak to me with the greatest pep talk ever through the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to go out and run and glorify him in ways I dare not alone. He's going to use me as a disciple maker, all because now you're encountering God for the very first time, and it's getting kind of weird. And I'm hearing from God daily now, and I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind and the power of his presence, and I'm going to minister to somebody else today. And now I'm serving God today, and I'm here with a purpose with every step, and I'm running a race that's worthy and fulfilling of a prize that's not of this world. Now, if you decide to take me up on this challenge of pep talk, I promise you'll begin to to win in this race called life. And then you'll begin to train others. You'll start training others. It ain't just going to the gym and working out. This is like no other business, man. God will begin to speaking to you in ways you've never dreamed possible, and you will become an athlete that is known as a disciple maker. And you'll begin to change lives that change lives. Now let's go back to my seminary days real quick. My professor always said this as well. During a sermon or talk, uh, it needs to have a so what. A so what, right? Um, in other words, what is the application? What's the takeaway? So we're not just communicating knowledge or my pep talk today. We're communicating knowledge that transforms lives that we can live out in the power of Jesus Christ. So the question here is simple. What do you want the most? What do you want the most? Someone else is, is literally going to be right beside you, and they're going to want something different. But what do you want the most? What, what you want to do is, is to think about what do you want the most in your life right now? Give me something real. I'm just being honest with you. Give me something real. Give me something that's godly right now. What do you want the most? For some of you, you recognize it's your time to make Christ seriously in your life as a priority for the first time. And I want you to get close to God. 
and someone else is going to be, it's time to get in better shape, right? I'm going to quit smoking. I need to lose 20 pounds, something like that. For some of you, it's, it's, it's all right. It's, it's game on. I'm paying off my credit cards and I'm getting rid of that student loan. Go for it. Game on. Bring it to God. This is, this is going away. For some of you, it might be your marriage. You know what's going on. We are no longer going to tolerate average. We're not going to tolerate average. We're, we're no longer going to tolerate bad. We want intimacy, and we want to honor God with our marriage, with purity. Whatever it is, you name what you want the most. Start with what you want the most, and what happens is, is once you start finding victories in some areas, guess what happens? It becomes easier by the power of God to find victory in other areas that are more difficult. Now, the second one, application, is this. What do you need to choose now to achieve what you want the most? What do you need to choose now to achieve what you want the most? It's really simple, right? What do you need to choose now because we're disciplined people now? What do you need to choose now to achieve what you really want the most? You're smart people, and I believe you are. You have found your way to the loft today, and you can figure this out what you really do want the most. And what you might say this morning is, I just really want to be close to Jesus. And this is so easy if you choose it. And for some of you, it's just close to God, close to Jesus. And I would encourage you that first step, just be open and transparent with this, not this. Start reading his Bible, join a circle group, commit to church as not an option on Sunday. Start to change what you care about and start giving and be a partner of what God's doing here. Some of you, like I said earlier, you might want to lose 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 50 pounds, maybe more. I don't know. Maybe join a gym. Maybe start walking with some other people up here that want to do that as well. Hire a trainer. Get really serious. Get on a diet. Start eating right. Maybe it is the marriage. Find a date night. Maybe find a counselor to invest in. Find a marriage group. Maybe take a vacation. Honestly, maybe take a vacation at your home. Kick the kids out. Enjoy a weekend in bed together. Just saying. Great things come about those things. The intimacy that comes from you getting right first with God changes everything. Maybe it's becoming free from this addiction world. I think the first thing you got to do is admit it. Ask for help. Find some support, counseling, and watch God transform your life. Maybe it's debt. Stop spending. Cut the cards up. Find a financial peace plan. Dave Ramsey, Crown Ministries. We have it going on right here, right now in our church. Just ask a question and we will get you help. Remember what Paul says with the imagery in the race of 1 Corinthians 9, 26 and 27. So I run with purpose in every step. In every step, he's running with purpose. I'm not shadow boxing anymore. I'm disciplining my body like an athlete training to do what? So I can run with purpose in every step. In every step. And what I hope you understand is there is never a moment where we don't need Jesus in our steps. I need him all the time. I need him all the time. Every moment of every single day, I need his power, his strength. When I'm weak, I need him to be what I cannot be for myself. Sometimes I'm incredibly undisciplined. And that's why I have accountability in my life. Why? Because it makes my life better, because they're Jesus-focused. Because I need accountability in my life. 
I have structure in my life. Why? Because I need structure in my life to be better for Jesus. I have people who pray for me and ask me hard questions, challenging ones. Jason, are you being truthful? Are you really seeking God in this or is this Jason? Because I need people to pray for me and ask the hard questions. Is it a six foot eight bald man that wants this or is this really Jesus wanting this for you? We all need this, guys. We all need this. And as the band comes up and starts closing this out for us, here's what I really, really want you don't, I just don't want you to miss out on this. What did you think of when I asked you those questions? Those two questions. What do you want the most? What do you want the most? And what do you need to choose now to achieve or experience what you want the most? What did you think about? If you do not do something now, if you do not do something now about what you want the most, that will very likely become your greatest regret in life and it could be avoided right here today if you choose. If you choose. And let me say it again this way and I want you to feel it. If you don't do something now about that which you want the most, this will very likely become your greatest regret in life. I was told of a story even this week a guy was seeking God here a couple weeks ago and he just OD'd this past week seeking help we missed it he was here it's personal I'm glad we didn't miss the mark on some but man it sucks when you miss it it's real serious real quick doesn't it And I know there's some people in this room that's hurting right now. They're running a race, and they're running a race full of regrets because they haven't felt the power about being redeemed by Jesus. And I want you to feel it. And I want you to know the sincerity of it, the power that comes from running a race fixed on the author and perfecter of your faith. Some of you, you're hooked on porn. And I know what it's doing to your marriage. It's destroying it. Some of you don't even know how to love your kids anymore simply because you're too busy to say no. Some of you got a mountain full of debt and you're like, I can't do it anymore. Some of you are experiencing a baby and you're like, I can't. And some of you have a story just like Anita's and you're too ashamed to share it. You're not even getting at the starting block because you're afraid of what somebody's going to say. I'm telling you, get focused on Jesus. Who cares about the naked people beside you? They're awkward anyway. You stay focused, stay in your lane, and you run that race, and you watch what happens. I was told of a story even this week. A lady gave her testimony last week, and they called her a whore. I just wanted to go defend her. The first thought that came to my mind, I wanted to go defend her. But man, how cool is it that I know I got a God that's already out there doing it for her. 
want to live a life full of regrets anymore. I just don't. I don't care. I just want to be disciplined with the life that he's given me to impact others around me for the gospel because it sets people free. I know it's not going to be easy, but you need to know that Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. And the bottom line is this. We all have choices to make. We all have choices to make. And that's why some of you today, it's going to be a game changer. Because you're not walking out of here alone. And what you're going to choose is, is God is a redeeming God. And I pray you choose to run with purpose with every single step that changes tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And as God is renewing this place and the hearts and the race we call life, you become the greatest disciple maker ever known to man because you chose discipline over regrets. So I'll finish with this. As a disciple of Jesus with his power, we choose discipline over regrets. Jesus, man, I know it's late in the hour, but I trust you're moving. Thank you for this moment of realness, of just authenticity. I know you're moving right now because I can feel, I can see it in people's faces. And we just trust you with this moment. We're going to sing a song, and I don't know what's going to happen next, but I just trust you. I pray people choose just to, just to literally get their right their life right with God today. They, they get in the lane. They start running a race. They, they strip off everything that's holding them back. And whatever it may be, Lord, I just ask for you to be the center of their life so they can walk out of here with purpose. And maybe it's just to take a first step to acknowledge that something's out of whack. May we find them. May you prick the hearts of the people around them. May we find them. And may they not walk out of here and literally go die. So God, we just thank you for this time we can reflect, this time that we can make a commitment to choose you as our Savior. Lord, I love you. And thank you for what you're doing. In your name, amen. Hey, we're going to sing a song. I don't know what's going through your mind right now. Maybe your heart's moving. If it is, altar's open. Don't go alone, man. Come on out. I promise you there'll be people that surround you.